Okay, welcome back to the United Pubcast. Now, after last week where we wanted to throw everyone under the bus, the title challenge was over, transfer list every single player. Suddenly we've gone down to Luton, smashed them 3-0, and suddenly it's all rosy again, Larry. Yeah, well, that's the way football and Twitter works, unfortunately, isn't it? I mean, the best result is your last result. Um, But, of course, we are long-term visionists here on this podcast and we'll look to the long-term because we're sensible. But, yeah, Tom, for now, it's happy days. Well, I don't don't like to go on Twitter and social media throughout a match, but for some reason, during League Cup games, because they're early morning here in Australia, I do find myself on Twitter a little bit more because the League Cup... Okay, it's not as sort of important as other tournaments, as other competitions. It's a little bit, maybe of a slower tempo. So I find myself on Twitter a little bit more throughout the match. And I remember I logged on after five or ten minutes, and I thought United in that opening ten minutes against Luton were very good. But I went on a Twitter. It was this player shock and get rid of this player. How are we not six nil up already? You know, so, no, that's enough Twitter for me for the morning. Because I thought the performance was actually, which we'll get into now, was quite good. Yeah, so do I. Um, and to be honest, Luton aren't a garbage football side. They're coming third in the championship, so hardly awful. And the gap between those top championship sides and the bottom Premier League sides, the gap's quite small, in fact. So I think United did play well. And the other thing to remember here, this wasn't purely just a cup competition game. It was also another opportunity for some players to get some much-needed minutes into their legs. So... Like And again, that that's what we wanted. I think you're going to see that the performances will gradually improve. And, and that's the thing that's sort of been overshadowed. Sure, we should have been better against Palace, but it's worth taking into account. Like these guys have had, I think Luke Shaw said uh, at one point there was four players in the first team actually training together. Only had two sessions um, as a squad. So the football will get better, no doubt about it. Well, I think that's the thing in terms of you just said Luton are no rubbish side. However, not only that, They've had a pre-season. I think they've had three competitive games before they played Man United. I think they had a League Cup game plus two league fixtures. So I don't care what level you're playing. If they're that much fitter, it is going to make a difference. And I think some United players, and this is through no criticism because of obviously the situation we find ourselves in, but some of the United players don't look fit. And we'll get into individual performances. Just before we move on, Just the I think the biggest example of that was Agallo up front. And I think we'll get into transfers if there's a need for a forward, because it was discussed weeks ago, but has certainly gone off the radar. But we definitely saw a difference in performance when compared to when Anthony Martial is there, who has the ability to pretty much do everything. And Agallo is sort of, very limited. He does what he does as well, but he's extremely limited, and he was extremely unfit, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he was quite sloppy. I'd also, in his defence, I he has barely played. When was the last time he played a match of football? I mean, he's not played at all. Um, so I'm willing to give him a bit of a pass here because I think we saw enough in the Europa League uh, toward the back end of last season to suggest he can still play a key role, um, at least a squad rotational role um, in this team until January, whether that's, you know, to go beyond that or not, I'd lean towards no. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was rusty. I still think there is, of course, a need to bring in a striker, but I think Agallo can fulfill that gap at least until the January window. Um, but of course, there has to be something that Oli's thinking about because if you don't keep um, Igalo beyond January... There's going to have to be some reinforcement up there. Otherwise, we're back to where we were last season where you have Martial go down. You could feel the need to put Rashford uh, centrally. or And he's, he quite openly suggested in his press conference he doesn't feel Mason's up to being a number nine just yet. So it's definitely an area that will need addressing. 
Yeah, definitely agree completely. And again, not a criticism of Agala. It is so that it was really hard done by in terms of the circumstances. But just as you say, I think we're all definitely looking at suddenly a left back in Tellers. We still want a centre back. We still want Jane Sancho. I still think we can't take the eye off the ball in regards to the striking options. Again, again, not taking Martial out of that centre forward spot. But in terms of that backup, because Agallo's future definitely is up in the air. But just before we get on to more individual performances in the game, pretty much before the game, pre-match, I just want to get your thoughts on, is this a nothing story? Is there something in it? Obviously, so much of the attention has been, again, our last podcast on Glazers and Ed Woodward, but also the name that is now popping up more and more as sort of more information um, gets put out there and we're more educated on the scenario is Matt Judge. Now, Matt Judge was in attendance at Luton. Why? I have no. I assume he goes to all the Old Trafford games. I, I'd have a guess he, that he does. But a weight Luton in the third round of the League Cup or whatever it is, why is Matt Judge there in terms of when he's pretty much the most hated man at Man United? Why has he made a public appearance or do you just think just the cameras caught him and there's nothing in it or...? Yeah, I don't look. I don't think there's anything in it. Um, I'm sure he's been in many Manchester United games in the past, but as we've said on this podcast before, he's a bit of the faceless man, um, and it's just that when there's no fans there, there's only so many people you're gonna pick up on the camera. Um, so unfortunately for him, he's been picked up in a transfer window where there's been it's been very lacklustre and not a lot of movement has happened. He's come out as the key negotiator or the one who agrees terms um, or that lawyers are trying to contact. And our, our mate, um, Uncle Paddy Everett, um, threw him under the bus a little bit earlier this week. So, I mean, he, everyone knows who he is now. We all know his face. We know what he looks like. And I, I don't think there's anything in it. But, um, yeah, probably a bit of, I think if he had his time again, he probably doesn't turn up, I don't think. Yeah, well, there's some definitely good sort of conspiracy theories put out there. The best one was the amount of flights every day that leave from Luton Airport directly to Dortmund. And I think a lot of people were starting to track flights to see if he was potentially on his way to Dortmund. But um, I'm sure Matt Judge will pop up in another podcast or two over the coming weeks. Now, actually, some of the more individual performances, we might as well start pretty much, I wouldn't say the main man, but definitely he'll be a hot topic over the next couple of days in regarding Saturday's team selection. Um, Dean Henderson made his debut and look I don't want to make this a Henderson v De Gea debate but of course it will turn into that but Henderson didn't put a foot wrong and not only didn't put a foot wrong made pretty much what was you'd be defined as a match winning save at the end yeah fantastic save um, had a stretch out and look that ball was going in and it doesn't matter who the opposition is I've seen some commentary that suggests you know oh I was against Luton he should be making the save <laughs> Well, I mean, and it's ridiculous because the shot itself was a brilliant shot and most goalkeepers aren't keeping that ball out. He, he did fantastic, excellent reflexes there and his distribution was quite good as well during the game. Look, I think De Gea definitely keeps his spot, but if Henderson comes in drips and drabs, which it looks like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is going to do, then he can definitely put pressure on De Gea. And I think this is... Take the wages out of the equation here. I think that this is healthy for both De Gea and Henderson. They're going to be pushing each other on. Um, I think De Gea's lacked genuine competition for many years, and that's allowed him to have that dip off in his performance. Whereas you're seeing he seems just a lot more focused now. And, um, and, and to sort of roll into that, which I'm sure will pop up in podcasts to come, is um, Oli has a decision to make. I think Henderson himself came out when he signed the contract saying if he's not going to play a lot of football, his preference would be to go on loan. Um, so it will be interesting to see what happens on that front. And I think if we can't get rid of Romero, 
you might in fact see him still leave the club um, before the transfer window closes. Well, we'll get into selling players a little bit later in the podcast, but that is a potential stumbling block because the latest on Romero is he does have many suitors. Many clubs do want him, but United aren't budging on whatever their valuation is, and he also is on a lot of money. And a lot of clubs don't want to pay too much for a goalkeeper. So, look, I think we've all sort of just come to terms that Romero is going to leave, but we might find ourselves in a position in two weeks' time where Romero is firmly sat on the bench as well at Old Trafford. So that is definitely one to look at. But moving forward 10 yards, and last podcast, we obviously threw um, a certain Swede in Victor Lindelof under the bus and called for Eric Bay to get a run in the League Cup. And Eric Bay did get a run, stayed fit, and look, again, it was against Luton Town. Of course, you do need to take that into consideration, but Eric Bay looked fit, looked strong. And again, didn't put a foot wrong like Henderson, and I'd, I'd be shocked if anyone isn't saying throw Bay in against Brighton this week. Yeah, um, this was a much better performance from Bayi. Um, the performances we saw in the back end of last season didn't really inspire me, um, and I don't think they really inspired many. But to be fair to him, he did have a long layoff, hasn't played a lot of football, and it seems that with a good off-season, and we've heard the manager himself come out and say like he, his Bayi's looked quite promising and he does expect him to play a lot of football this year. Um, so, look, I, I think if you're asking me who's the better defender... Um, it's definitely Bay, but it's just about him staying fit. So whether, and we'll get into team selection, but um, I think if Bay can stay fit, um, he has every opportunity of playing a lot more football this season. Well, just on Eric Bay, a post went up on the, I think it was Facebook, Facebook or Twitter, I think it was Facebook, in regards to um, should Eric Bay, has he done enough to earn a start against Brighton this week? And um, just a few of the comments. Um, Will says if he doesn't get injured, he should start. Uh, Chris Tullo says yes, but he won't stay fit, which I think all of us agree with. But at the moment, I think definitely start against um, Brighton. Um, Troy said definitely starts in front of Lindelof for me. Robert said yes. And George says uh, any centre-back that isn't in a dress um, deserves to be starting over Lindelof. So he's definitely heard our grievances with Lindelof um, on the last podcast. And Steve Smith also said um, he has to start against Brighton, which we'll we'll get into the Brighton um, fixture at the end of the podcast. Um, I think Brighton are potentially going to be the new Wolves because we have Brighton on Saturday and then again a couple of days later in the League Cup. So um, definitely plenty of Brighton previews to come. But again, moving forward on the pitch, where do you want to start in midfield? Um, there's a, a few discussions to have because midfield was quite a poor area against Crystal Palace. And again, we're obviously going to dominate and look good against Luton, but the midfield did perform against Luton. Yeah, it did. And um, I think there were two really good... I mean, look, the whole midfield played really well. Um, I'd say the focus, though, should be on uh, Nemanja Matic. Um, again, he comes in after some rest because, you know, he was dropping off toward the back end of the season, much like the rest of the team. But, um, yeah, he showed some really good football. Um, and he, he just brings a composure to the side. And you could almost argue that the def- even the defence just seems a lot more settled when he's there. Um, Fred played really well and I was um, very pleased to see how well he played so you could say that there's definitely a case for Fred to come in um, and of course Van der Beek he, he was fantastic um, I, I know there's a certain um, Spaniard you want to give praise to so I'll, I'll let you do that are, are we counting him as part of the midfield but um, yeah the whole it was just very functional um, the team played quite well and yes it is a lesser opposition but they dominated on the ball which is what you want to see when there is that clear uh, that clear gap in class so yeah it, it was a very functional performance and hopefully something that we can see now in the league 
Well, I wasn't going to bring Wine Matters performance in, but seemingly so that you have done. I might as well uh, put my two cents in. And as you say, he didn't really play... It's, it's where do you class him? Did he play on the right wing or did he play in midfield? And obviously on the team sheet, when you see the graphic before the match, a lot of criticism was saying, oh, how can we play in Wine Matter on the right? Again, it makes no sense. I saw him on the right maybe twice in the game. Him and Lingard, and I think there's maybe a little bit of a detriment to the performance. Lingard and Matter played so central, we had no width, especially with those fullbacks aren't, so the Williams and Wampasada aren't exactly known for their quality going forward. So I think the play broke down a little bit, whether that be through Solskjaer's instruction to get Lingard and Matter central, who knows, but I think individually they played well. But what do you think of Matter's performance? Because I thought he was very good, and he got the, I think, whatever network showed the match in England, I think it was Sky Sports. Sky Sports gave him man of the match. I think the club's man of the match was Van der Beek. But if you logged onto Facebook and Twitter, a lot of people were criticising Matter. And I thought, God, it was harsh. I thought he was very good. And, and uh, look, we'll get into our three two ones. I, probably, I, would, I wouldn't have him as man of the match. But he'd be in consideration for any of the points because I thought he was, and again, not prime one Matter, but I thought he was critical in the way we played in terms of his intelligence. He was creating angles. So when a ball came into him, he was able to receive the pass off Fred. And if it's another player, if it looks like Andreas Pereira bounces off Pereira, it looks like a bad pass from Fred. But one matter is able to embrace the ball, get it, give it off to someone else, and the ball just kept moving. And I thought, again, try and stop me from my one matter praise, but I thought he was very good. Yeah, um, I thought he was good. The thing that, I guess, eludes one matter in terms of receiving the praise that he's worthy of is he's not flashy, he's not... He is not rapid, he's not quick. Um, and when you're talking about young football fans, I feel like that that's what they resonate with a good footballer. It's pace where, you know, it's the one mutters, the Michael Carricks of the world. Like these guys, they're, they're the engine of a team. You, you, you need people who have that creativity and that class. If you put one mutter in an elite football side, say a Bayern Munich, He'll look brilliant. He really would. He's such a fantastic footballer, and the the speed at which he can see things on the pitch is second to none. He, sure, d- d- he does. He's not meant to play week in, week out, but there is definitely room for him still in this squad, even as approaching thirty two years of age, where he can definitely come in and do a job. And in fact, I'd like to see him utilized in the league. I think that Crystal Palace match, um, in hindsight, could have used someone with one matter's ability and class and vision. So hopefully um, Oli thinks the same as us and he can get some, some much-needed football because I think we're a better side when he's... Especially when we're going to dominate possession, there's definitely space for him in the team, no doubt about it. Well, just your last point there before we move on in terms of... If anyone is questioning his value to the squad, that's exactly what you want from one matter. Do you want Bruno playing midweek away at Luton? You don't want that. So you bring in one matter, you play him in that role, he performs well, United go through, Bruno's had a rest. That's exactly what you want from a player like that. You don't want him playing 38 games in the league and depending on him to perform, because that's not going to happen. You need a squad, and I think who better to have for young players to come in and around than have a World Cup winner, Champions League winner. He's, he's won the lot. To, to still have him in the squad. And again, I thought he was fantastic. But moving on to someone who I thought maybe even outperformed him, um, Jesse Lingard. I thought he found his form again, and I thought he's arguably one of the men of the matches. I thought Lingard was, again almost what he used to perform under Jose Mourinho. I thought he was direct with the ball. He got it. He was involved. He was pressing. He, he was quality on the ball. He wasn't giving it away. Um, just quite weird. I think we don't expect that from Lingard um, lately. I think we expect bad performance. But when he threw in not only a good performance, but a very good performance, it was a little bit of a shock to the system. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, again, I'm agreeing with you. Um, I thought he was really good. Um, very lively, very bright, and he just looks like he's got that sharpness back. Um, to be fair, and I know it's funny to say this in hindsight, but he did talk about all the things he had going on off the pitch, and it just seems to me he looks like he's playing with a clearer head. He doesn't look to be thinking, oh, should I shoot, should I pass, should I do this, should I do that, do I zig, do I zag? He just seems to be getting onto the ball and then looking up again. Um, and look, he's not a world-class footballer, but he's definitely a very good player on his day. He plays for Man United, for God's sake. Um, so, you know, there's definitely quality about him. And I hope, I really do hope that he can keep up the good form because if he does, there will be a place for him, again, as a good valued squad member to come in in those big games, particularly where he could definitely play a role, no doubt. He's, he's a good player and... Um, let's just hope he's turned the corner and can continue to play in that vein. Well, you, you just said, before we move on, in terms of it can be an important part of the squad and definitely has a place. Well, at the moment, at the time of recording this, he doesn't have a place on the app, the Man United app. He's been taken down of that. Every player has their photo, and Jesse Lingard is just a great silhouette. So, again, this is at the time of recording, potentially a glitch with, with my a glitch with my app, but I think everyone is having the same, or would say same problem, but it's popping up the same on everyone's um, Man United app at the moment. Is that anything to read in terms of his future? I mean, I would admit, uh, we can't manage to get a transfer done, so it's very likely uh, Matt Judge has lost his uh, job description, hopped on the internet, uh, made some boo-boos with Lingard's profile, and... That's really all there is to it. Maybe Lingard is the new faceless man. Matt Judge thought, you know, this guy is perfect to be my replacement. Well, we definitely will get into outs um, at the end of the podcast, but we might as well go on to the three two ones. And this is a hard one. We were scraping the bottom of the barrel against Crystal Palace to try and get anyone a point, let alone three points. This one's going to be hard, I think, and I wouldn't have a clue where to start with three points. But as um, I'm the host, I'll throw it to you. Um, who do you want to argue for three points? Um, I actually want to give it a Lingard. Um, I thought it was fantastic. I really do. I thought it was uh, really lively and good. Um, I think Van der Beek got the um, United's man of the match, um, if I'm not wrong. Um, and, and I thought Van der Beek was brilliant and is a value is a good shout. But um, I, I just thought Lingard did a lot in terms of the energy he brought on, which I think is really important against the sides where you're expected to win. You need someone who's going to have that energy just to sort of push the team on and. Um, I just thought he was the most quality in terms of with the ball. Um, again, just a personal opinion there. Um, I think there's a few a few cases to be made, but yeah, for me, it's uh, it's Jesse. Yeah, no. He, he, if I had to pick, um, he'd definitely be the top of my list. But two points now. I don't know where to start because I'll get your argument. I, I could throw one matter in there. I could throw Fred in there, who I thought Fred sort of maybe rivaled Lingard. Maybe not in terms of how it looked on the TV, how it performed, but I think the importance of his role. I think Fred was sort of crucial in breaking up play and sort of providing a little bit more energy um, from a deeper position compared to what Scott McTominay did. But again, I also think um, Dean Henderson in terms of, okay, might have only had one thing to do, but it was one of the most important things to do, if not the most important thing on, on the night. So I don't know who'd throw the two and one. Do you have any preference? Um, I'm leaning towards Fred, um, only because I just thought he was really busy, again, very energetic, and he's sort of, I know we, the severe game is something people want to erase from their memories, but I really thought he played well in that match, and I thought he was hard done by to not be picked last week, with the absence of Nemanja Matic, and I think he's put his best foot forward in this game, and um, said, Oli, look, I'm, I'm available if you want to pick me, so... I think Fred did a lot right. Um, very lively, progressed the ball forward, um, good energy in midfield. 
Um, I'd give it a Fred. I, I can see the case for Henderson. His save definitely crucial. Um, but I think for a goalkeeper to get to get those points, we'd want to see him under a bit more pressure. It was one moment he did very well there, but you know, in the grand scheme of things, we should we we're going to win this game anyway. So I think um, Henderson will definitely have a shout in future games. But I think we'll have to give it a Fred for this one. Yeah, so Lingard for three, Fred for two. And again, one might be even harder. Again, you just mentioned there, Henderson. For Eric Bay, he was very good. I thought one matter, I just made a case for in terms of talking about his brilliance. I think he's maybe hard done by not to get three or two points. So would you say the Spaniard or would you say one of the, maybe the keeper or Eric Bay? I mean, I'll be kind, mate. Uh, you've given me the first two votes, so I'll be generous and I'll let you have this one. I think you've made a valid argument for all those players. I won't argue with any of them. Um, I thought Juan Mata was very good. Um, I thought Van der Beek was good. I thought Bay was very assured. He made that clearance off the line as well. There's a case for a few. Um, I'd be tempted to give it a Bay um, just because I thought his whole round performance was actually quite good. Clearance off the line at a crucial moment in the game. You could say, um, I mean, that's the way I'm leaning, but look, happy with any of those options. Yeah, I'll make so I'll an executive decision, definitely one matter. He scored a no-look penalty, for God's sake. Anyone go back and look at the photo. He's not even looking at the ball when he um, hits the penalty. So, um, yeah, definitely a point for one matter as we move on. This is a weird one. We're going to transfers now. Um, we're coming into how many more weeks? There's about two weeks left in the window. I'm not sure what day it finishes, what time it finishes on the certain day. But the club is still brief in the press for fans to still, or trying to get fans' opinion to understand the impact that coronavirus has had on the club's finances in regards to, there's been so much frustration labelled at the club saying, go out and spend, go out and spend. But the club is saying, well, hang on, we would like to. However, we do have to appreciate, I think what they said they're going to lose £140 million um, over the coronavirus um, so far. And they're sort of asking for a little bit of understanding from the fans in regards to these transfers coming up. There's a part of me that can accept that. I think, okay, yes, it is a um, tough time. And I think Man United, um, they said, are going to lose the most money. Now, I think United can afford to lose the most money compared to other clubs. We're going to see a lot of clubs potentially be non-existent in a year or two. I think it's really going to hurt some of the lower league clubs. I think Premier League clubs, it's only going to set back a few years. It's not going to be sort of too, too dangerous for them. But can you understand the club's point of view in this? Or can you just say, well, hang on, that's a nice sentiment. But Tottenham are going out, going out and spending big money. Chelsea are breaking the bank. Arsenal are spending money. Liverpool are spending money. These clubs aren't impacted. Why are United impacted? Yeah, I mean, they're looking at it from a purely business perspective. I dare say if you didn't take out dividends against the club for the last 15 years, you'd have plenty of cash reserves. Um, but look, that's an argument for another day. I think that they need to just pull their finger out, Tom. Um, The argument in the Tottenham case is they made a lot of their stuff. um, They put a lot of their stuff on furlough or furloughed their stuff. um, So they've probably been able to have that cash reserve. But in the grand scheme of things, it's really not a major amount, is it? And look, United have the money. Um, You know, they've got plenty of cash reserves. They've got this uh, draft that we've discussed on the podcast in the last few months. There is purely no excuse to not be going hard on the market. Yes, we kept our staff on, great. So did a lot lot of other clubs. Liverpool did the U-turn. They've just managed to get some deals done and no one's telling you to break the bank. If you don't want Jadon Sancho, not a problem. But I'm sure you can still get a very valuable, good player out there. 
there's either something wrong with the scouting network to say we can't afford, you know, Jaden Sancho. We don't want to pay 120 million for a winger. No one's telling you to do that. We just want to see reinforcements in the squad. And then I haven't done it. Um, I, 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 look, I think it's a weak excuse. I really do. I think it's just trying to find some PR. The best thing that they can do is keep their mouths shut and go get some deals done. Um, I, I was listening to um, Duncan Castles and he's been, um, he suggested that there was almost like a scheduled meeting between Solskjaer, Matt Judge, Ed Woodward on uh, Monday. And that was to discuss the transfer. So business is expected to get done. Um, but look, I think there's no excuse here. You can't say, you know, we got into the Champions League. You can't spend as much as we do when we're not qualifying and then get that extra cash flow and say, oh, no, okay, well, we're just going to pull up shop. Got to pull the finger out. Well, you say that, and we also hear it say that, well, United have the money, they should go and spend it. However, when you look at what's happening, you have to ask the question, I think, do United have the money? Because you look at this Tellez deal, who's seemingly the only one we're sort of strongly linked with at the moment. It looks like he wants the move. Porto will accept a bid. And it looks, again, I'm not sure, it would be in between 20 and 30 million, let's say 25 million. And all the reports we're hearing is United are really haggling over this price and they don't want to pay the transfer fee. And again, you can you can accept the argument when it's Jaden Sancho, you don't want to pay 120 million. Okay, I can accept that's a lot of money. But 20 million or 25 million, if you're haggling over that, doesn't that sort of sound alarm bells? If we're haggling over twenty five million, it does, um, and that's the thing. I'd really that's that's why I just I don't buy into it. I'm just I'm at a point now where it's like, listen, the transfer window is closing, and it's in in fact it's infecting the squad. You should have had this sorted in March when we had the three month lockdown. Like, what were you doing? Like, why weren't the negotiations going on there? So they've put themselves in this corner. If you're being asked to pay more now. We should have thought about that six months ago when all of this kicked off and you were twiddling your thumbs doing nothing at home. Well, you, so, you just mentioned there, sorry to interrupt, you mentioned there in regards yeah. to it should have been done three months ago. You, you mentioned earlier the Patrice Ever video where he threw Matt Judge under the bus. One of the lines which really stuck with everyone was he was telling a story about a director of football at a big European club was trying to ring Matt Judge and they rang Ever and said, could you tell Matt Judge to turn his phone on? And again, it's that's just not even a professionalism thing. That's like a... Could you imagine if you were in Matt Judge's position at United now? You would have 10 phones and you have them all to your ear. You would be doing everything you can at 24 hours a day to progress the club, to do your job properly through just a just a love of the club. You'd want to succeed. But if Matt Judge isn't even just taking phone calls, like that's... It's just not on. It's, I don't, are you, the word disgrace and disgusting gets thrown around in football far too often these days, but that is a disgrace if you're just lazy and just not getting deals done because... You want to go up to a fancy lunch or fancy dinner. Um, that is why it's holding the club back. Yeah, look, mate, I, I agree with everything you've said. Um, and I think his position needs to come under question. Um, if that, That's embarrassing for Matt Judge. It really is. Like, if you, if you like the fact that they had to go to Patrice Evra, there's not even a contact at the club where they feel like they can reach out to... and they, Or they don't trust that Matt Judge will get back to them. Like, that's embarrassing, mate. It really is, so... Look, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, but I think some people need to be held accountable over this. I really do. Well, what, what do you think? We read so much into Solskjaer's press conferences. We sit here and we watch it. We all, always look for clues. Um, we look at body language. We look at lip reading on sort of when he's sitting on the bench. We dissect everything. What are you making of him at the moment in regards to... Do you think he's expecting arrivals? Or do you think he's maybe sort of resigned himself to saying, well, hang on, there might be no new arrivals. There might be Van der Beek and that's it. I think he's hoping for the best, but preparing for the worst. Um, 
it's clear as day, and you can just see by what he's saying in the press conferences. He's like, let's see what happens. I think there's almost, uh, he's been told, we'll try and get this and that for you, but he's not, he's not sold. So he doesn't look very confident um, when he's getting asked the questions. I mean, if you recall, it's a small clip, it, but um, in, back in January, there was a point where he looked confident we were getting Haaland, got asked a question and almost had a giggle about it. Mm. That confidence doesn't seem to be there, so... Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if we do get no one, um, but let's all hope that that's not the case. Otherwise, if they think they're getting bad PR now, I think it's just going to ramp up. Well, moving on again, whether this is as important or just as not important, who knows, it's up for opinion, but the selling of players is just um, going to prove as crucial, prove as, um, I wouldn't say controversial, but you look at players like Chris Small, and he's the only one who was really linked strongly away he's obviously in negotiations with Roma he wants to move to Roma uh, Roma definitely want the player it becomes if they're going to ex- um, meet Man United's valuation other than that there's Jesse Lingard at Tottenham which has died down over the last couple of days um, it was there for a day or two um, United just can't sell their players and we all know the problem we all know they get put on these huge contracts that um, just keep the sort of cement their spot at the club and the other clubs are unwilling to pay that wage so do you see any other players sort of potentially off we looked at the Romero situation he's potentially going to stay um, we can't move forward just selling Chris Smalling because Chris Smalling again we, some of us have him over um, players like Victor Lindelof we look at Phil Jones can't be sold because he's injured for the next five weeks or something and it's just we do get excited we do get frustrated with the arrivals who we want um, how much is this player going to cost how much that player going to cost but so it's so important to get rid of these players and at the moment we're failing to do so yeah, um, and I think a lot of that comes down to the wages um, and the wage structure that United have allowed to get out of control. And that's the tough spot that the club's in, unfortunately. And look, does um, does Phil Jones fit into another Premier League club? For sure he does. He definitely does. But he's injury prone and he's on a very high wage at United that most clubs who he would go to could probably afford half of that. And that's the issue that United find themselves with. Um, So that's why when people saying, you know, why can't you sell these players? When you're Phil Jones and you're getting the killing that you're getting at United, who stupidly offered him more money, if you're going to renew his contract and keep a value, I understand that. But why give him a wage increase? No one is competing to give Phil Jones 120,000 a week. And that's the problem. We've seen some work to start to improve that, but... I mean, Phil Jones was renewed under Oli, so this isn't that long ago. And that's what I'm saying, Tom. Like, that Someone needs to be held accountable because the whole football structure is out of control, from transfers to signings to players needing to be sold. It's a shambles from top to bottom. And you'd think the Glazers, for all the constraints and all the budgeting that they have around transfers, well, maybe if there was a better football structure, you'd have more money for transfers and you could afford more players. So I think someone namely Ed Woodward, who no doubt this has all happened on his watch, needs to start being held accountable. It's one of the, look, completely agree, but it's one of those ones we've, I think we've discussed since Ed Woodward has come into the club. Is he really going to be held accountable by the Glazers? Because from all reports, Ed Woodward was the main man in buying, in sort of brokering the deal for the Glazers to buy Man United. And he's almost treated like a son by the Glazers. And obviously he makes them a lot of money. So is he ever really going to be held accountable, even if United do fail on the pitch? I think there will come a point in time where they will because at the end of the day, he's getting paid very well. But the second the results aren't as good as they once were, 
things can change very quickly, Tom. You're only family while you're giving someone a positive outcome. Those positive outcomes start diminishing and suddenly he'll be under pressure. I don't think he's bulletproof. Um, and things are starting to go wrong. So, look, again, it's a one of those where we're going to have to wait and see. But I think he needs to start being held accountable because... If they're losing all this money, you have to ask yourselves. I mean, and the, there is a report that actually shows United's growth in terms of their income from 2005 to now has almost doubled. But if you actually look at the growth from, say, other football clubs, they've more than doubled their worth. So you have to say, is it Edward we're doing a good job or is it just selling a very successful period in the football club's history that allowed the club to gain all this commercial revenue? That's where I'm. That's where I'd be asking the questions. Yeah. I think you and I could sell Manchester United to a few people if we were in charge. It's not a hard task. Now the challenge is going to be: well, we're going through a barren spell in terms of success. Can you still keep us up to that standard? I think you're seeing things are starting to drop off. Yeah, no, definitely. And you were just obviously talking about Edward Wood, but the latest reports do suggest that he has put his house up um, for sale in Manchester. Who knows what that means? I'm sure. He has many properties, and maybe he's just one of them. But um, it surely does add. Well, it definitely does add to um, sort of the circus that is Manchester United at the moment. We do look at real estate stories as um, signs to the future, but um, I'm sure we'll cross that hurdle in a podcast or two's time. But we will move on to finish the podcast quickly on the one of many Brighton games coming up. As we mentioned, we are <laughs> obviously playing them on Saturday, but again, a couple of days later in the League Cup. Uh, I'm sure the team will stay down in Brighton for that. But we're just on the team prediction in terms of who do you think? I think the main one, again, it seems every week we're going to have this debate, but I think it's definitely a debate this time, De Gea and Henderson. Me personally, I think it has to be De Gea. But again, I wouldn't hold it against Solskjaer if he does throw Henderson in because, okay, the Premier League is more important than the League Cup, but we'll sit here and say De Gea has done nothing wrong to be dropped. When Henderson was given his chance, Henderson didn't do anything wrong to get dropped. So it's a, it's a hard one. And I think, do you think the playing Brighton twice in a couple of days will impact that or do you still just see it as a Premier League game and a League Cup game? Yeah, I don't see it influencing Solskjaer. His priority will be the league, no doubt about it, particularly after starting with a loss. I think De Gea will start in net. Like you said, he did nothing wrong. So while Henderson did have a good performance against Luton, we, we do still... And I know we're almost. I'm almost going to make a hypocrite of myself. They are a good side. But it's still not a top Premier League side. I don't think he was put under a lot of pressure throughout the game. So in saying that, because De Gea hasn't really done much wrong, and I thought he actually played quite well against Palace, albeit conceding three goals, none of which were his fault, you have to say he does keep his spot for this one. Now, moving forward again, um, seems to be the, the next sort of line of defence, obviously, in regards to team selection. Eric Bay and Victor Lindelof. I think it's definitely Eric Bailly for both of us. However, Lindelof wasn't involved. Do you, who do you think will play? I actually think Bailly will come in. Um, I really do. I think I think Solskjaer's... I think I, my opinion, again, it's just my opinion, I think he's probably seen the end of uh, Lindelof. Probably had his patience run a bit thin. Or it's just me being hopeful. Um, but I, th- I think there's a little bit of that. You can't allow someone to come in, come into a side when he seriously played a part in all three goals being conceded. Like, it's just not all right. Well, I think now, just the last one, I, th- I think the front three will pretty much pick itself. However, the middle three have all played now. I think they've all played. Matic has played, Fred has played, McTominay's played. And obviously the big three of Van der Beek, Bruno and Pogba have all featured. 
So again, there will be, you have to do look at match fitness. It is sort of technically pre-season for the players. So Solskjaer definitely will approach it with, with that sort of hat on. But after seeing all sort of six players now, is it six, six midfielders I named? Probably. Um, yep. Who are you picking for those three positions now? Uh, I think we'll return to Matic, Pogba and Bruno. Um, but I, I, I've, we brought this up last week, Tom. I think he really needs to look at the system. I think Pogba is really being shackled, um, sitting in that sixth position. I really don't like it. He needs to try to find a way. And I know it's a concern while the defence is still so leaky. But he needs to try and find a system that allows Pogba to get further forward. Because I just feel like it's such a waste of his talents. Um, and I think if you can, particularly against teams like Brighton, where we're going to dominate possession, if you can get him and Bruno further up the pitch, um, I think that's it's an opportunity for United to really make a genuine difference in terms of uh, goal threats. Yeah, we, we, you look at it, do you think there might be a case, I, I don't agree with this, but the, the case was made when Bruno arrived, that look, good players can play together. Like There's never this, oh, they're too similar, or they're too different. Good players will find a way to play with each other. But in regards to the balance of the team, do you think it just it just won't work with Bruno and Pogba? Like in terms of the course of a season, obviously in some games they'll click, and, which we've seen. But over the course of a season, do you just think it will lack a bit of balance and it, we might be actually better off? Take your pick of Bruno or Pogba, replacing them with Van der Beek. Yeah, look, yeah, I think it'll just be a case of you just got to wait and see. Um but I think Van der Beek will definitely play more football. But yeah, I still see him coming in off the bench. And he's had two promising performances as well, Van der Beek. So that's worth taking into account. But I think he's just going to stick with Bruno and Pogba for now. Um, the system, I, I'm sure it will become more fluid as the time goes on. And I think you'll actually see us utilise a diamond at some point. Um, I could see that with Van der Beek being utilised. So... Look, it's an interesting one. I think um, there will definitely be selection headaches if there isn't a good result. So let's keep an eye on it. But I think he just sticks with the status quo in what got us um, quite successful results towards the back end of last season. Yeah, well, definitely. Well, it isn't long to wait till the match because obviously it is a Saturday night game here in Sydney. And 9.30, a rare, pretty much this is prime time for us Australian viewers. Um, 9.30 on a Saturday night is ideal. Now, for a lot of our listeners are obviously here in Sydney, Unfortunately, where the supporters club, Man United New South Wales, unfortunately can't watch the match at our home pub, Piermont Bridge Hotel, um, due to the COVID restrictions. It would just be, it would put, put the pub in a difficult situation in regards to, we could have 50 in there, but they'll be in five different groups and those groups can't interact with each other. So just not an ideal scenario and we don't want to sort of put the pub in a sort of difficult situation when they have to police their sort of their COVID safe plan. So unfortunately, there will be no sort of match gathering. However, I can't tell you the last time I've sort of watched United at home at 9.30. It'll be pretty good. I might um, order a pizza. Um, what are your plans for Saturday night? Um, we'll see, mate, but I'll definitely be eating something fattening. I have no doubt about it. And um, I'll be wearing my Martial jersey, hoping that uh, he can break his goal-scoring curse. As you highlighted to me so kindly on Twitter that uh, Mata has more goals than Martial in less minutes. So um, I'll be wearing that jersey as um, an omen, and hopefully um, my Frenchman will uh, couple, throw a couple creme brulees into the back of the net. Yeah, no, if, well, if I am putting money on this week's game, I probably would push put uh, Martial as first goal scorer. He is dual goal, and fingers crossed. But until then, hopefully everyone enjoyed this podcast. Again, not too long until the transfer window is over and we can solely focus on actual football. But it is good to sort of talk about a few of those things. So hopefully you enjoyed the podcast. Um, make sure you subscribe in your podcast app, whatever that app is. 
and keep up the interaction please on all the social media so instagram facebook and twitter um it's good the more you interact with the po- with the posts the more sort of engaging they are the more they'll pop up on your timeline and the more discussion you can have with um fellow reds because the good thing about our social media is compared to others which i've seen no one's abusing each other everyone's just giving their opinion and um you see other twitter pages where if you disagree um you're suddenly wishing death on your um the person you're um, arguing with so thank you everyone for interacting with our social media posts and um until then larry enjoy your saturday night enjoy martial's creme brulees and um i'll chat to you next week all right cheers mate cheers. Chat then.